Welcome to the Spindrift Podcast with me, Aoife Glass. Each week, I'm joined by a different, brilliant person from the world of cycling. From pro riders to industry insiders, and from community advocates to everyday adventurers. We'll be talking bikes, life, adventure, and everything in between and all around. episode I'm joined by World Cup downhill mountain biker Michaela Parton. We chat about how Michaela discovered mountain biking and made the switch from skiing, how she then got into racing, what it's like to be a privateer and newbie at a World Cup downhill race and her mostly amazing 2020 season that saw her score fifth place at the World Championships. We also talk about the concussion she suffered at the end of the season, how her recovery is going and her plans for 2021. from Fort William in Scotland is Michaela Parton. Michaela, thank you very much for for joining me for a chat today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's uh, yeah, it's great to come and have a chat. <laughs> now, let's start things off with with a little bit of what's going on in Scotland at the moment. So the UK are, you know, we're we're still in lockdown. You guys are still in lockdown. Hopefully there's a, a golden and bright future ahead of us where we're allowed out. But how are things for you at the moment up there? Yeah, not not too bad. I can't really complain living in Fort William because uh, I can ride from the door uh, so I can still get out on my bike. Um, I guess I'm missing kind of seeing people and uh, definitely missing riding my Daniel bike. That's kind of what I would prefer to be doing at the moment, especially for training for the season uh, to get away down to like in the Leithen or mm. something to ride because I, I still don't have an uplift here in the winter anyway, but I'd be able to go down to Wales, etc. But and that does suck um and it's definitely something that kind of plays on my mind obviously i can't i can't ride my race bike yeah but i just i can still ride my bike uh so i feel grateful for that um so yeah not too bad <laughs> and i've seen pictures of epic amounts of snow in scotland how how is that for you like what you know presumably that's a bit of a bummer when actually what you want to do is be riding your bike yeah absolutely it's like great for skiing if the resorts were open which was mad because like most of january we had the the best snow we've had in ages and then we we couldn't get up the hill and and then there was there was like about three weeks where it was either snowy on the tracks or like lethal ice i'd like definitely choose snow over the ice that (laughs) That was definitely getting, I was getting tired of that just because I, I didn't mind like a week where your training wasn't quite as good because that's fine. But then when it becomes two or three, you're like, hmm, <laughs> this yeah. isn't ideal. But then it was funny because we, we lost all our snow and then like the borders area had like a crazy amount. Uh, like even uh, my friend Matt, who works as my mechanic, he went skiing in the borders and I was just like, what is going on? <laughs> Yeah, I saw amazing pictures of people building like little kickers on the hills of the Tweed Valley. And yeah. stuff. I was like, what? Yeah, yeah. It's quite cool, I guess, just to change it up because we usually get that much snow and I don't think they do. So ah. um, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, Spread the snowy love <laughs> around a bit. It made me really yeah. 
miss snow sports. I haven't done any in ages and I don't think it's going to happen for a while yet for me. No. No. Um, you started off more on the snow sports side of things. Yeah, yeah. I uh, was a skier since I was like, I think I was probably like three years old when I started skiing and then uh, loved it. And that was kind of always my like my, my sport, although it was just in the winter, uh, that I loved. And I went on to become a ski instructor when I was about 16, 17 which is kind of what I thought I was going to do, like maybe go and do seasons. That was like my dream. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, but then I discovered bikes. So, <laughs> um, What switched you over to bikes? Because, I mean, obviously Fort William is is well known around the world if you're into mountain biking. Um, yeah. for, for mountain biking, for the, you know, the World Cup that happens pretty much every year, fingers crossed. Um, for the downhill, for the cross country that's there, and also just for the amazing landscape and, and wild trails that are there. So, you know, had you, how how had you missed it before? And then, what made you go? Actually, I quite fancy a bit of bike. Yeah, I always find this like I get asked this a lot, and I find it really hard to to think how I didn't do it now that my life is just like in so involved in it. I just find it hard to to think how I how I didn't do it now that like my whole life really revolves around bikes. Um, but I just, I was just never introduced to it. And I, and I honestly, I just didn't know about it. Like I, I always had been aware of like the world cup that came here, but only because it was like a really big deal to come to mm. Fort William. And yeah. you just went to it as a kid. That's just what you did. But it doesn't mean I had a clue what was going on. It was just exciting. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, I mean, and I passed the downhill track every time I'd go up skiing and I'd know that it was like, a bike track but it just didn't even like it was I guess I just thought it wouldn't even cross my mind to think that I could do that it, yeah it didn't, I wouldn't ever have thought oh I should try that and because although I liked sport like running and skiing I definitely wasn't I wouldn't say I was sporty and um, I just enjoyed doing it um, yeah. and then my wee brother started riding um, and so my my parents kind of got into it as well to go with him yeah. and then yeah and then I just kind of was curious and went along and then realized actually this is really fun and then <laughs> just from there it just I I don't it just went mental like I just loved it and got upset <laughs> and like what did you love love it from the get-go or did it take a while for the love to kick in because you know I've spoken to some people and they've been like oh you know the first few times I went riding it was with um someone and I was mostly going to keep them company and I didn't really like it and then later I realized that suddenly it had grown on me and other people for other people it's like love at first sight you know I saw the bike (laughs) and our eyes met across a crowded trail and that was you know that was it it was I know I definitely like took a little bit to warm into it I did Mm. enjoy it but it was I think one of the first rides I went on I was at Nervous Range and I remember being at the top of, if anyone knows the World Cup track, there's like the tunnel and it goes steep into the motorway. And I was at the top of that and I was, the person I was with, I think it was my mum, was like, yeah, you can ride down that. And uh, <laughs> but I didn't really know anything about like leaning back in attack position and stuff. Yeah. And, I, and just being the person I am, I just was like, okay. And then like went 
I've done it. And I remember, like, this is the one memory of just, like, riding the stem the whole way and then flipping the bars <gasps> of the bog. And I honestly thought I'd broken my ribs. I, I was fine, but it really hurt. And I think I remember saying to my mum at the bottom, I was kind of, like, half crying, half laughing. Yeah. Like, I'm never doing this again. I'm never, ever riding a bike again. And then I think she bought me a hot chocolate. And then we had a laugh about it. And pretty, pretty sure I went out the next day. But uh, yeah. there was a lot of those kind of situations where yeah. I was like, no, I can't do this and then the next day I'm like actually I'm gonna go buy my bike again <laughs> what, what was it that kept you coming back then like I mean what, what is it that you that you that, so if you love about it because I'm, I'm guessing from what you described that it wasn't like you know burning desire to compete from the get-go that got you into it it was something about doing you know riding your bike that you like is it is it being out in the in nature is it the, the physicality of it yeah it was definitely nothing to do with racing I wouldn't have even like considered that it was it was definitely probably the feeling of, I think I I just kind of was naturally picking it up quicker, and mm. I and I knew, and I and I really liked that. I liked like, hey, actually, I can I can do this, and it's I definitely hadn't found apart from skiing, I hadn't really found anything at that point in my life. I was at that kind of like 17, 18 years old. Yeah, I wasn't very academic. Like, I didn't have very like a, a goal for uni even if I, if I could get in, my grades weren't great. Mm-hmm. And I guess I was that way where I didn't really feel very good at anything. And then I, I did, I went mountain biking and then I just started picking it up and I was like, yeah. oh, actually, like, I quite like this and I'm not too bad for starting out. And yeah, uh, yeah I probably was something to do with that. Like finding something that I actually enjoy a lot and was all right at, um, yeah. which is something I hadn't really discovered yet. <laughs> and do you find that like, did your background in skiing and snow sports, do you think any of that translated across, you know, in, in a positive way? Yeah. I think at the time I wouldn't have thought that, but now that I ride so much, I think skiing and snowboarding 100% crosses over. It's it's understanding balance and understanding, like, terrain, because all, it all is very similar. Even, like, like, cornering and it's all... And the speed thing, I guess mm. you like that feeling, the adrenaline, and <laughs> I it all definitely crosses over, yeah. <laughs> and I guess also like sort of exposure to certain things, and by exposure I don't mean like cliff edges, but like, because <laughs> I remember sort of I got into snowboarding before I got into mountain biking, and I remember the first time, I, the first few times I went snowboarding, I'd be like pointing down the hill, and it felt like I was going two million miles an hour, but I was probably <laughs> being overtaken by snails, you know? But, you know, that, that sort of like sensation takes a while for yeah. you to like get used to it. And and it can be a bit disconcerting at first, but I guess if you're already used to what that feels like, yeah. that's not part of you know what you're thinking about. You can focus on other things. Yeah, absolutely. I hadn't even thought about it like that. Like definitely, you're kind of already used to that feeling of of, uh, of kind of going fast, and even if it might not actually be that fast, <laughs> it's like when someone you're like, I'll oh, take a video of this, and then you get the video and you watch it, and you're like, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have that a lot. I suspect you have it less than I have it. <laughs> I have had a lot. I swear I was like two, two metres off the ground. What? <laughs> I like to call it minimal air. Minimal air is my goal. That's If I can get minimal air, like a centimetre, it still definitely counts in my mind. Oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Michaela. Um, yeah. <laughs> so you, you got into mountain biking and, and you're enjoying it. What kind of riding do you like to do? Or, you know, did you feel your way into like particular trails or particular styles was it always like I mean you've got that amazing downhill track on your doorstep which probably helps direct you in a certain way 
Was that yeah, what, yeah. what, you know, is it like, is it all about steep and rocky for you or do you like other stuff? Yeah, in the beginning, I remember really disliking like natural trails. So anything slippy and rooty, mm-hmm. I didn't enjoy. I would always, I would ride it, um, but I never enjoyed it. I always enjoyed the kind of rockier, fast, jumpy kind of tracks. Mm-hmm. But I think that was probably because that's what I was better at. Yeah, and um, I wasn't as good at the fluffy naturals because they're harder. They're mm. more unpredictable, and um, especially Fort William. <laughs> and I think that's probably what attracted me to like start being like, "Ooh, I want to ride the downhill track," and then I'd maybe ride the bottom sections, and then eventually I tried it from the top, and I was just on my trail bike, and I just loved it. Like I, even though I wouldn't have been going fast, I felt like I was going fast. Yeah, and, like. This like the feeling of knowing you rode it, and then yeah. there's like flying little jumps and ticking off little bits. Like I just loved that feeling, and and then eventually I I started to enjoy the kind of natural rooty tracks because I was getting better at riding, so I could actually ride them and not like fall over everywhere. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> it still happens. I, I keep hearing this whole like if you're not crashing, you're not trying hard enough, and I think I'm quite happy in my comfort zone. But I can imagine like I think I'm just not naturally very good at like letting myself go that far do you find that like does does that phase you at all the prospect of crashing or are you not thinking about that when you ride I'd like to say I don't think about it but I definitely do it'd be a lie if I said I didn't yeah. I think as I was starting out to do like downhill and all this I was really kind of more reckless than I am now like I I would just go for things but I maybe didn't have the skill to like back it up mm-hmm. and I didn't really think about it as much but um I'd like to think I've got a bit more skill now and then. <laughs> I, definitely, I definitely think about stuff. Uh, I would say I'm a wee bit calculated and uh, I will. I mean, at some point you have to just go for it and hope for the best and push, put yourself out of your comfort zone for sure. But at the moment, especially uh, mm, yeah. after the end of my, my season, I, I have taken a wee while to to get like back to where I was and I wouldn't even say I, I'm there yet. Although I'm enjoying riding my bike and I'm, loving it uh, i've actually had a few people reach out to me who had also had bad concussions yeah. and were like oh how how have you like got back in your bike so like confidently and uh you're not scared and i was just like oh do not be fooled by instagram like i am posting because i'm enjoying it and it's none of it's a lie but i'm terrified like yeah. i'm so scared and uh yeah i uh, i definitely am still scared but i guess it's just a part of the sport <laughs> Enjoying the Spindrift podcast? If you like what you're listening to and want to show your support, then pop over to Patreon. You can help us share more amazing stories and become part of the Spindrift community. And now, back to the podcast. We're definitely going to come back to um, to last season the highs and lows of last season and the concussion question um but I guess let's let's backtrack a bit to how you're in the position where you've you've gone from like I'm a skier to oh, I might give this mountain biking a, a try to oh, I'm going to be racing world cups now I mean that's 
pretty phenomenal. How did that happen? How did that, you know, when did you first decide, I'm going to give racing a go? And, and what prompted you to do that? I got a, I got a downhill bike after like a year of riding my trail bike on the, like on the downhill tracks. That's what I was loving. So I was immediately like, I need a downhill bike. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then shortly after getting that, I entered a SDA, but I had no idea what it was. And um, me and my friend Connor went, who I'd kind of started riding with from the start. And then, uh, just went along and there was no pressure because I didn't even know what was going on <laughs> and uh, it was great like I just had such a lovely time and uh, I even remember in the start gate like I had no idea what to do and the guy was just I was like oh when do I go he's like now I was like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> and I just started pedaling and yeah and I did all right at it like I didn't I didn't do too bad and I kind of thought oh that was really fun maybe yeah. I could do this and then did a few more SDAs and then the next season I ended up being like oh I'm gonna try like the British round like the world the the one at Fort William the yeah. British downhill and then I think I maybe that year went to Wales for one round as well because that at that point there was always only one in Scotland and all the other British rounds were in Wales so right. it realistically with working and being in college I couldn't do any more than that mm. uh, and yeah just like at that point it was all definitely just racing because it was just I wanted to race but then yeah. it eventually started to be like oh, actually no I think I want to do this <laughs> and just to clarify STA is Scottish Downhill Association yeah that's what it is Excellent. yeah brilliant um so what was it about racing that you enjoy because you've already said that like it wasn't necessarily competition that got you into the sport so did it fire up competitive spirit in you when you were were at the race yeah I think you you got that exactly right it kind of did fire up a competitive side that I maybe didn't realize I had because mm-hmm. I'd never done anything like that before I'd never done any like ski racing or anything and and yeah I think I probably was more it was probably mostly like oh I want to see how like kind of competitive with myself yeah but but also like any race would be lying if they weren't like oh I want to see if I can like be that person or <laughs> get that get that place or catch up a bit and then uh, yeah. yeah I think just a little bit of everything and um, and the feeling of getting to go and ride different tracks like mm. it's a nice way to get to explore other tracks and it really makes me want to get better on my bike because if I'm getting better on my bike I'm going to do better races and just like full circle it's nice <laughs> what what does it feel like when you're on track like when you when you talk to some people and, and maybe not necessarily just with racing they talk about this like it's I think it's called the flow state isn't it where you're you're in the zone the zone I guess is the other way of putting it where you're in the zone your head's in the perfect place and it just feels like everything is fluent and everything's doing what you want it to do do, do you have that experience when you're racing or does it depend on the race um honestly that's something I'm still working on because I am so new to kind of like High, high like world cup racing mm. it's that is something i've really struggled with and um, and it's something i'm working on right now for sure and um, i'd like to eventually be the way where i can go into a race and get into that kind of like clear mind all all there is is the track you mm. but i'd be lying if i said that was the case <laughs> like it's hard like coming into it so late and mm. first having to learn the sport i couldn't learn like the psychological side of racing as well I just threw myself in and yeah like it sometimes it went well and sometimes it didn't <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm hoping this season I'll figure it out a wee bit more I think that's as well what I'm enjoying is just the enjoying the process of the learning <laughs> and there's you know I can imagine it's a, it's a steep learning curve where does the jump then come from racing sort of national series to racing world cups and, and how hard is it to make that jump yeah for me 
I feel really grateful that I was approached by Green Power, who's still my uh, main sponsor, and they they offered me like we want to support you to race World Cups. And I mean, at first I was like, oh wow, like that's, <laughs> that's mental. Like I can't like me like what? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I just was like, yes, absolutely, I'm gonna do it. I would love that. Uh, why not? Like why not do it? Even if like I tried it for that year and it didn't go well, I, I yeah. think. It, to just not try take all the opportunities you can get but then going and doing it I, I get asked all the time about that and it was really hard really really hard and and I made a lot of mistakes it was lo- it, could, it was quite lonely sometimes because I was traveling on my own or I'd be on my own at times uh, and I was terrible at like fixing my own bike which was stressful and I still am uh, and yeah <laughs> it was it, but like there was really good parts too so all the highs make you forget the low times yeah and I think that's what's important and remembering if you do want to do these things you have to put yourself out of your comfort zone so I I don't regret any of the mistakes I made uh and any of the feelings I had yeah some of them were awful and there was definitely times where I thought right I've had enough I can't do this anymore like this isn't for me like it's too hard but then it's not you just have to you just everyone makes mistakes and you're not going to go in and immediately be amazing at it like these there's people you're racing against grew up racing and they yeah. like you can't just go straight to the top and the mistakes need to be made <laughs> what is it like when you when you first go to to a world cup and you know you you're going there with yes you're sponsored but you you know you if, if anyone's been to a world cup and um, wander around like the pit area, for example. It's one of the things that's amazing about, I think, going to you know, mountain bike events is that you've got all these like super pro athletes there and you can kind of like walk in amongst them and they've all got their like their big van and their like tent out the front and they've got their like mechanic working away on their stuff while they're sitting in the back, you know, sort of doing their like zen preparation thing. Yeah. But you didn't have any of that. So oh, God, no. <laughs> what, what did you do? How does it work for you? I actually always laugh thinking back at my first World Cup because it just it just was a wee bit ridiculous. But, <laughs> like, I love telling the stories now because the privateer stories are always the best. I, <laughs> yeah. I travelled out with my friend Ross, who he's a photographer. So I travelled out with him and we stayed together and stuff. But then, obviously, he was working, so the majority of the time I was on my own. Yeah, uh, and I didn't. I I guess before I was I was about I was like kind of heading out and thinking like, oh, I have nowhere to like be when I'm there. Like I don't have a pit space. I don't have like a car. I don't have anything. <laughs> like I mean, even just to like leave a bag of stuff. Like yeah, nothing. So I asked because uh, I was on trek bikes through Nevis Range. I just was like, well, maybe I'll just ask if I could leave my bag at the trek tent. And I and I, I guess I just like I might as well just ask and they did they said yes and yes. they were amazing <laughs> and so lovely and they were like yeah you can leave your bag here so I had a wee spot a little corner in the tent and I I'd come in the morning really early for B practice with my like my sack which I've cycled there with with all my snacks and my, oh, wow. <laughs> and my, and my tools and I just leave it there and I I definitely didn't like hang about there because I didn't want to get in the way but. That was, uh, I really appreciated that, having somewhere just to leave stuff uh, in between practice. And um, But apart from that, kind of like, as you said, like walking through the pits, it was, uh, it was really lonely. Like I, it was, it was, I was nervous. Like I didn't know anyone. It was really intimidating. Um, I don't know if no one would have cared that I was, like, that I was there because I don't even know who I am. But like, it was just, it's scary. And it was definitely a different atmosphere at first because 
it's obviously a much more serious one because this is people's jobs and I at other like SDAs and BDSs I I know more people and it's kind of you get a chat and it's fun and oh hi but this like I don't know anyone people aren't gonna go out the way to speak to you or anything and and yeah it was definitely really hard at the at the start but um just pushed through and I enjoyed it so it didn't stop you so that's good (laughs) I get the sense that not much does Michaela I feel like you're someone who will just you've got a wonderful like upbeat positive attitude to everything that's like really infectious maybe I'm just really stupid (laughs) I don't think that's it I'm pretty sure that's not it (laughs) and so what's the situation now so th- things have obviously changed and and you've got like you've got a lot more support now great so yeah. um so what does the picture look like for you now like if, if you turn up to to uh, world cups this year if we have any cross your fingers and toes everybody everyone <laughs> what, what how's it going to work for you now so this season i will still be with green power but um just like the last uh, like small season we had in 2020 <laughs> I'll be bringing my mechanic Matt, so he'll be coming out with me, which was amazing. Just like changed changed everything for me. It was it was wild how much better it was. Just yeah, that's a good point. So you were having to like because all these other pro riders in your first first season, they've all got someone else to like deal with your bike. So you were having to look after the bike as well as everything else, mm-hmm. and wash it and everything. Yeah, and and I think it was Leo Gang. I was. And then I'm, if anyone, anyone who knows me knows I'm not good at fixing bikes, but I'll put my hands up. Like, I, I know I'm not good at fixing bikes. I can't, I can't do it all. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can't learn, I can't learn it all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I do my best. It doesn't help that my boyfriend's a mechanic. So when something's broken, I, I get a lot of help. So, <laughs> but yeah, I think it was, so with Maribor would have been the first one. And, uh, I think luckily I just didn't have any mechanicals and kind of <laughs> checked all my bolts all the time. And then I think Leo Gang, I remember finishing my practice and I was like, oh, I'll swap. I was swapping rotors or something like that. And I ended up like swapping the old rotors back on. Something, just some ridiculous oh, situation. No. And then and my neck broke. So I pretty, I'm pretty oh, sure my no. neck was broken for my run at Leo Gang as well. Oh. That was like hectic race for me everything you could think of went wrong yeah Uh, even down to I didn't even get like a lift practice in the morning my lift slept in so I had to like knock on the door of someone else staying with us and be like can you please take me to practice luckily they're a friend now and uh, (laughs) they were like absolutely but it was just oh so many so many random things happened (laughs) oh yeah that's well I mean it makes for a good story now like that's the so, and I appreciate the help I do have now a lot <laughs> <laughs> so last season was well in the general sense it was a bit of an odd one you know quite a few people have, have talked about last year how you know mentally it was difficult because like you're racing you're not racing you're racing you're not racing the races on the race is cancelled but then on the other hand it meant that they had a lot more time to prepare physically for things even if they couldn't necessarily train on downhill tracks how did you feel going into the season yeah I felt like during the lockdown it was I kept kind of going through phases of being like oh this is I mean I was always grateful to have a bit more time to to learn more because mm, I've yeah. missed out on a lot um but yeah there was weeks where I'd be like really motivated and like this is great but then there's it's it's hard like training at home eventually becomes very tiring like it's just 
hard to be motivated sometimes when you're not physically really leaving the house to do it yeah and uh, I know exactly what you mean yeah and like because this sofa is just there yeah it's, it's, right, it's right next to the turbo it's, <laughs> and uh, yeah I mean I got it I got it all done but there was definitely weeks where I was was not enjoying it and then there was weeks where I was yeah. Um, it was all very up and down and then luckily like what was it July time the downhill track open or August mm-hmm. and then so I had some time on the track here <laughs> get on my downhill bike and then me and my boyfriend we went away to Europe for like three weeks in the van and I did some traveling when that was allowed and riding and that I needed that like some time yeah. on my downhill bike out of Fort William because we hadn't left in a long time yes <laughs> and when I came back I was pretty much like leaving again very soon after so yeah I was feeling ready in the sense I was like oh, well I've ridden my down like I can do this and I felt like a lot more mentally ready for the season that started when it did like in October than I did if it had started in March yeah like I in such a better headspace for it like when I was leaving for Lusa in March I was just not in a in a good headspace and I was grateful I had that chance that year of like that summer to work on that and I felt a yeah. lot better going into October and I had knowing I had Matt with me as well it was it was good you've got a great bike you've got your mechanic with you you've you've been through it before so it's you know you you know what to expect this time so it's not yeah it's not quite so I guess overwhelming um tell us how your season went last year yeah great I loved it (laughs) I think that's a yeah I think great is a good way of describing it yeah yeah it went really well I loved it and I loved all the places I got to go and I was grateful to get to do that in the year we had. Yeah. Um, and, well, World Champs was the first one. So I hadn't, going into World Champs, I hadn't raced in over a year and a half, maybe. Because I, in 2019, that was my first season, crashed at, uh, was it yeah, Leger, and I got injured. So that, that I stopped racing at that point yeah. that year. And then, obviously, expected to start in March the next season, but that didn't happen. Uh so I had a long time off racing. So yeah. not only was I going into a, a race that big, but it was world champs. Yeah. It was snowing. Uh, yeah. The track was mental. The <laughs> but I loved it. And then loved the, the two World Cups as well. <laughs> you got fifth at the world champs. I mean, that's amazing. Like, did, did you know when you were on that run that you were onto a good one? Or was it just when you no, got to the end? No. Like, I don't the end. Honestly, like... I, I didn't expect to go into first place when I got into the bottom. I think I even remember looking at the girl coming in the hot seat getting up and I was like, what's happening? <laughs> and then, like, where do I go? And then like someone takes my bike. I was like, I don't know. I, is that what? Like what's happening? And then just sitting there for so long and my time not moving, like what is actually happening? And I just remember like, looking at Matt like, I don't know. <laughs> and it, it was just mad. I went into that run with with a tactic which I'd never done before because other yeah. races I've always been a bit like you count down and all of a sudden like ah go as fast as you can and then sometimes yeah. it works and sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> um, but this one I was like right, uh, that practice in the morning I'd had a crash in the woods like everyone and yeah I was like okay but then in practice all week I'd been loving it like mm. I loved the bottom section it really suited me and I was enjoying it I thought yeah. it was fun. I decided like right well I'm gonna I'm gonna do like a, a, a cruisy top section to be honest take safe lines that I know I can ride fast but they're a bit slower than the fast lines I've practiced but mm-hmm. I'll probably hopefully not crash and yeah. then just go wild in the woods feet up like ride it all 
that's where I could probably make my time up rather than on like say the motorway section where I know that I'm I'm not as good at the, the fast like straight bit yeah um, and yeah I just went and I stuck to my tactic I actually took my mud guard off like right before we left well Matt did and I was like oh my god what are you doing he's like just trust me and then I saw that I did but that's why in the photos at the bottom I am just like caked in mud my whole face is just like filthy and I couldn't see down most of it but maybe that helped I don't know. it was definitely the right choice given that track I think not having the mud guard yeah. on um, I mean, it was insane. I mean, one of the things that I find really interesting about sort of downhill racing, because you, you're talking about such, such tiny, narrow margins. And you'd think that, like, given a track of, of that length, when it comes down to, like, fractions of a second between places, it, it's, it's insane, like, how important those decisions are that you yeah. make. Like, is that something that you're, you sort of, I mean, you seem to be doing... You're doing fine with it, I would say, Michaela. But like, as you go along, that that I guess racecraft, that like knowing when to push, knowing what line to go, knowing that that might be faster technically, but this one's better for you, that kind of thing. Is that experience, yeah. or or how do you learn that? I think I'm I'm still I'm still definitely learning that, and that's something I'm really working on. But I yeah. think maybe that race helped me learn even more. Like I, because I took like a tactic that I thought might work, and it did pay off, and yeah. it and it did work, and it wasn't just when you get to go go as fast as you can hope for the best and take all the fast lines even though you might crash it was well I know my strengths and I know my weaknesses and I know that if I take this line and and say this condition I might not ride it out and I'd rather get to the bottom have had like a a reasonable run and stayed on my bike than have like in the qualifying for example two days before I'd had three crashes and I, I was just so uh, annoyed after that because I was like that's ridiculous how did that happen like I've practiced this course fine and then I go for a race run and I crash three times like that's ridiculous uh, and although I did have a crash in my race run in the woods I think everybody did yeah. so like <laughs> yeah uh, yeah just one <laughs> as far as I could see yeah yeah I'll take one uh <laughs> but I think yeah racecraft is something I'm I'm definitely still working on and I want to learn more about it but um I that definitely for me I think thinking about what what bits you'll ride fast I actually remember listening to a podcast I think it was uh, with Katie Curd and she said something like that and it always stuck with me that when she was at a race it was something about choosing to go and focus on the bit of the track that you know you're better at rather than standing at say the jump that you don't really want to do and you're you're not feeling good about rather than focusing that just be like right okay fine I'm not gonna either I'm either gonna do it differently or won't do it and I'm I'm gonna do this section faster and try and get the section that I'm good at uh so yeah (laughs) and I mean I guess as you go as well like it must be a real confidence boost then to to have like to have like okay this is a strategy I thought out I've put it to the test and it worked and does that sort of like you know give you more confidence in yourself and your in your choices in 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 racing yeah I I guess so now that I'm like reflecting on it at the time like I had no time to reflect on that whole weekend because we had to leave the next morning I was mad wasn't it like yeah and it was just I was knackered because I was I was physically knackered from the week and from crashing a lot like everyone like we all were battered and bruised and that night I was up late kind of washing all my kit, washing all my stuff because it was so filthy and getting everything ready to leave the next morning. And then, yeah, there was just no, there was no time to think about what had happened or like the fact I'd placed fifth. And then I was straight into thinking about Maribor and I was thinking about where do I need to be? How do I sign on? How about, I just like, it just, it just 
went out my mind. I was like, I just don't care about that anymore. All I care about is the next one. <laughs> how how did it feel physically then? Did you feel like you had enough time to recover? Because as you said, so we've, we've got like you've the world champs, then pretty much next week you've got two World Cups back to back. There's like, was it two days between them? Three days between them? Yes, we had like the, the track walk and then practice and then qualifying race and then qualifying race. God. So there's no, no break. Yeah. Like... I mean, how how do you think that worked? Like, I know it, w- it was a weird year, so in order to squeeze the racing in, that kind of felt like it was an yeah. experiment to do. Do you, do you think that works, or would you be happy doing that again, or would you rather not? I would, I would yeah, maybe not straight after World Champs, especially because World Champs, because like, I'd never done one, it's like a full week thing, because you get, like, two, two, you get an extra practice day. Um, mm. So it is like a, a full week kind of, of riding, and then, Straight into double World Cup, that was a lot. But then everyone was in the same boat. But yeah, ideally not that situation. But the double World Cup, I do, I can see that would be quite a cool thing if they did keep that because we're all traveling far to these races. And if it's yeah. sometimes you're just there for like really a couple of days and a couple like a couple of runs of riding, really, yeah. it would be quite nice to have that extra time riding just because it's obviously fun to ride these tracks. Mm for all the travel you're doing and also the extra chance because you get one run and then especially in qualifying and then if you don't qualify you're not racing the next day and you're spending the day watching and it's it's quite hard to deal with because you you're like a way over another country and you're not even getting getting a chance and yeah it would be nice to have that second chance you'd be like right well this didn't happen so I've got this next day to to do it again yes especially as well because there's so much that can happen i mean obviously you you know you might just not quite qualify but you know everything from like when you see racers getting punctures in a final or something and you're like no i just no i want to see them go and not knocked out because you know they've had a puncture yeah exactly yeah that would be cool if they did do the double workups just to have yeah more more chances more time riding yeah (laughs) how many runs do you actually get down a hill at a world cup over the course of a like uh, in a practice day well like so you're there from like say you arrive i guess on a wednesday yeah a tuesday or a wednesday yeah yeah so like so i mean for anyone who's who's not like been or watched well they really watched a world cup like on on red bull um, yeah. but I'm not sponsored by Red Bull. Not yet anyway, Red Bull. But, you know, if you fancy it. <laughs> come you know, on, Red Bull. Come on, Red yeah. Bull. Um, <laughs> what actually happens at a World Cup from, you know, as a racer? And, and how many times or how often do you get to ride that track before you race it? So we have our practice. It's obviously I'm in B practice. Uh, so that's in the morning. It's usually like half eight till maybe like, yeah, like two hours, two and a half hours. Something. Uh-huh. I can't even remember. But no, not a lot. Not yeah. a lot of time. They're really stressful, especially like turning up to a track, which is pretty much all of them for me, that people have raced growing up their whole lives and yeah. their lives don't change. And you're like standing there in first run trying to look at a line and people are already just trying to see how fast they can ride it and you're like it's first runs like what uh that I found that really hard to take in my first in 2019 when I first started like I went I remember being in Andorra and I was standing chatting to Ben Cathro and we were at a section it was like first run down I was checking it out and yeah people were just absolutely pinned like down Mm -hmm. this track and I really got a bit disheartened and I was like well what is the point like yeah I'm so late to this like everyone knows all these tracks and they don't change really <laughs> and uh, I think that's what I loved about Leo Gang because Leo Gang's obviously uh, it's been in the World Cup circuit for so long yeah and people know it off the back of their hand and 
they put this, this in this wild new section and I loved that because it's like it's such it's so nice that everyone's in the same boat everyone's yeah. got to learn this new track in this amount of time and it's and it's quite fair and um, yeah I liked that but yeah you don't get a, you don't get a lot of riding time at all because you have that that small practice and then the next day is qualifying so before qualifying you'll get maybe two runs in wow and then you have your qualifying run and then assuming you qualify the next day you'll have the same again two maybe two runs in as practice and then your race run and that that's it <laughs> cod and those tracks are long as well so like trying to work out the track work out a line memorize that line and then repeat that when the time and comes then try and practice it at like a race speed of the qualifying yeah it's it's hard <laughs> yeah and, and and this is why you're doing it and you're good at it and i'm just gonna watch because it's definitely far beyond my abilities but awesome to watch let's let's sort of turn then to to the end of your season which ended on a bit of a, a down you had a bad crash and you ended up with a concussion from it do you remember what happened like do you remember going into it what happened yeah I remember before my run like I mean my warm-up's actually quite a blur the whole day before it I can't really remember yeah um, and then I don't remember leaving the start gate really and wow. all I remember is is overshooting the the jump before the one I crashed on yeah and because I'd overshot it I was before in practice like I was getting this bit fine like it was just such a bit of track I wasn't that worried about hmm. and I and I was getting like an inside into the next jump but because I overshot the jump I must have just pedaled a little bit too much into <sighs> it I then was like right I'm not gonna make the inside so I'm gonna hit the berm and then do the jump but I hadn't been practicing that burn line and someone yeah. had actually said to me in track walk the night before oh don't hit that burn like it's really soft and it just sends you funny and I was like all right okay but then I was like right I'll just have to hit the burn so then yeah. I hit the burn get sent as they said really in a weird position and immediately was already going off the, the lip of the jump but because yeah. I was so like off balanced I didn't like compress into it at all and it just all happened so quick and then yeah. because I did that my bike just like sent me over the bars and then I'd obviously lost speed, so I didn't even make the landing. So my front wheel hit the, the landing, and that's what like catapulted me over and onto my head. <laughs> what happened afterwards? Because like, there's been a lot of um, debate and discussion, rightly I think, um, about rider safety um, at World Cup events, and, and you know, particularly with regards to head injuries and spinal injuries. So I was. I mean, you probably saw on Red Bull, I was lying there for a wee bit because I actually did lose my eyesight. Like, I, my eyes were just black. I remember wow. this, like, pain behind my eyes and yeah. in my head. Like, it was awful and I just couldn't see. Like, I couldn't, I couldn't open my eyes because it was too sore. And then I was thinking, I need to get off the track. I need to get off the track. And, uh, I mean, no, no one came over. Like, no one came to help me. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, so I just knew, like, I need to move. I need to move. So I managed to stand up and uh, actually get off the, the tape on their side, but then I immediately lay back down again because yeah. I was in so much pain in my head and my eyes. And I kind of knew, like, at this point, I think the marshal who was sitting there was kind of above me asking if I was okay, probably, or repeatedly, but obviously <laughs> I, I clearly wasn't. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, uh, from what you've described, uh, I think it was yeah, fairly clear that you weren't in a wasn't, wasn't great no. uh, and uh, I couldn't really even speak to I don't even know if it was a girl or a boy because I was just I was just in so much pain and at this point I was probably I think I was quite emotional at this point because yeah. I was just like I just was like what has happened like I'm just, I, and then I thought oh Matt Matt will find me because I just like my mechanic he'll yeah. see I didn't make the first split and he'll come down 
And then I just lay there until, and he did, and he came down and he found me. Um, and he took me back to the, like, the, the, there was at that point then a medical team who had come. But I think what happened was I, because I was so concussed and so confused and delirious, and I think I was, and I was so upset as well, I think I just, I must have been like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Because yeah. I was just so, like, I need to get off this hill right now. Yeah. And and then they and they's, they've obviously let me go oh, which God. looking back is really bad yeah. like they really not have let me go because i know from working in the outdoors that anyone that's hit their head don't listen to them <laughs> like they're they're not okay and then if they say they're okay then they're probably definitely not okay yeah and they, especially after one like that and i i should have been forced to go yeah. and get checked like and i wasn't and I went back with Matt, and then Matt ended up taking me that night. I went in to get a head scan uh, because basically I just had so many messages from my mum, like, you need to go get your head, like, scanned. Um, and I'm so glad I did. But, yeah, looking back, I get a bit – I am a wee bit annoyed about the whole yeah. thing because it's it's scary. Like, that sh- that shouldn't have been handled in that situation. I Even though I was like, obviously the one who was like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine because I was horrendously concussed. Like, they should have been like, no, we're medical professionals. Yeah. I'm sorry, but you need to come with us and get checked. And eventually I probably would have been like, right, fine. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, that, that actually makes me quite mad. Um, and I'm quite mad on your behalf. The recovery I had to have for how bad it was, it makes me even more annoyed because it was such a horrific injury. Like I was, yeah. it was, I was, I mean, for a whole month I was, pretty much just not being able to do anything and Christ. I mean for about two weeks I couldn't look at screens phones see anyone like it was it was awful and to think that luckily I I went and got scanned but mm. I, I could have easily not because I didn't get told to like by the medical yeah. team that was supposed to tell me to do that <laughs> yeah yeah no it should be surely an automatic there should be a protocol and a rider yeah. hits their head this is what you do, and you do X, you do Y, you do Z. And they have it in other sports. Rugby has um, has protocols in place, and, and then a whole return to play thing that, you know, that, that needs to be followed. And, you know, I know that luckily, you know, the for example, the Injuria World Series have been doing research into this, so there is more research out there, and hopefully that will lead to better protocols. Um, how has your recovery gone from then? How are you feeling now, and how has it progressed? Yeah, it's it was hard, Um and I still feel kind of like similar to what I touched on earlier. I still mm-hmm. feel like I've not fully recovered from it. Yeah. Um, but it's something I just push through and, and get on with because I love riding my bike and I want to race. And, and I know it's a part of it. And everyone's had hard injuries, like crashes and injuries. But um, it was really hard at the start just because I think going from such a high to a low, like mm-hmm. I went from, oh, well, we had world champs and then we had Maivor and I was just like out racing. It was amazing to all of a sudden within two days, I'm back home on my sofa, and like unable to do anything, like yeah. not even watch TV. And it was all just a bit much to take. And, yeah. and I'm such a, I, like, I, I like being around people and I like talking to people and I like doing things. I don't enjoy sitting inside. So that was another aspect to add into the recovery that I struggled with because I was like, I don't, I don't want to not see people and I don't yeah. want to not like, even like people complain about social media, but I really missed it. Like I yeah. missed just seeing what people were up to, and that was hard. Luckily, I had my my boyfriend took some time off work, and he spent so many days on the Aww. sofa. We just we just listened to podcasts because I couldn't watch TV, and like maybe went for a small walk. But when I got back, I I did too much straight away. Like I did a few 
few too many small walks and I, I went back to square one again and that's when I had to have the two weeks of literally just like yeah. doing nothing in, in the dark room I had to wear sunglasses all the time wow uh, but I bet you look really cool yeah. yeah it just looks so cool yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was a hard injury because you couldn't see it yeah I mean I could I could see it and feel it but it wasn't really there and I think another hard part of it was when I finally started kind of going out and socializing again and like well not socializing because you know social distance but mm, seeing yeah. people yeah, yeah um I it was hard because I I mean I understand it was such a ridiculous crash and it was mental and that was the first thing anyone would speak to me about oh. and it was almost like I, I the fact I had actually had some other good races that yeah. but that's all that's all I was asked about was just like the 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 way it ended but it's totally fair like it was it should be asked about but I'm glad we touched on the any way to, to talk about the concussion side to it because I think that it is something we all need to talk more about because it's it's very serious <laughs> um so you're you know you're on the road to recovery which is great and I'm sure everyone's really really happy to hear that and um from the looks of things you've been having a great time in Scotland despite the weather you've got a, a new bike as well you've been riding new I've, I've been riding a, a trek slash now uh, which is amazing so I've always been on a remedy and I, I absolutely love it it just it, it suits my riding a lot and I feel way more comfortable on that bike uh, and it's it's kind of way more like my downhill bike in the sense that I've got it set up as a mullet and then yeah it's that it's like a bigger travel and the because I can't ride downhill it's the closest thing I can get to ride like practicing so yeah it's amazing <laughs> do you do you try to set up like your bikes as similarly as possible I mean obviously they are completely different types of bike but yeah. you know as much as possible so that you can get as close to that feeling without being on the bike yeah I didn't last year but now I think why did I not do that like I got that's something I've definitely thought about so I was like I want to ride the slash I want to have it as a mullet I want to have like the same bars same grips same pedals same less like as much as I can same uh, brakes yeah. so that when I swap over because I'm not able to ride my session uh it's not going to be too different hopefully <laughs> and how has have you been training have you been you know, sort of prepping yourself for the season ahead? Are we going to see some more Michaela Parton action this year? I hope so. <laughs> I've, uh, I've actually started just uh, when I got when I was able to start training again. Mm-hmm. I started with uh, Alan Milway, actually. Oh, very exciting. Yeah, I'm loving it. Uh, he's great. Uh, really nice guy. So helpful. And I'm, I'm feeling great. Like, we've only been training together since, well, since I could start kind of riding and training again after my injury. Yeah. So maybe like December, start of December time, but um, I'm really enjoying it. Like I definitely thrive off having a plan. I, I'm definitely that kind of person that likes things planned out. <laughs> and are you sort of working out at home? Because I know gyms, gyms aren't open at the moment, which might must hamper stuff. So do you have a bit of a home setup? Yeah, I got, I made a home gym at the start of the last lockdown because I, I, when I got back from Louisa and we were kind of here for about two weeks before that happened, yeah, I everyone kind of knew it was coming because yeah. it was like talked about. And I remember being at work and someone kind of mentioning it, and I was like, right, what what am I going to do? And all I was thinking was, I need to be able to train, and I still lived at home at this point. So then I actually moved in with my boyfriend like immediately, and then I made one of his rooms in his house a gym. <laughs> I was I like, I'm moving, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dragging a squat rack behind me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Like, I'll just, do I just have a couple things yeah. changes again. <laughs> you didn't need that room, did you, for anything? No. Yeah, yeah, you don't need this. You you want a gym, that's what you want. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't? Actually, probably yeah. quite a lot of people. Are, like, if I could find anything to put in yeah. home gym. I was very lucky that it, because it was the start of the first lockdown and I was kind of, I was really on it. Yeah. I, I kind of got in there right before everyone else wanted it. And I, yeah. I got all used, like used stuff, nothing new. Like there's no way I'd be able to afford any of that. <laughs> yeah. I got like a used squat rack from Lachlan Blair actually. And then oh. <laughs> I got some weights and a barbell. And yeah, that's about it. But like, I guess that's my gym. Um, and how do you feel going into 2021? What are your, what do you hope to achieve this year? Um, and what do you think will actually happen this year, or is it is it hard to know at this point? I think what what I want to achieve is I my goals would be to I want to like consistently qualify. I want to be at the races and I want to be racing on Sunday. Yeah. Um, and I want to feel happy with how I've raced. I want to kind of what we've touched on. I want to really improve my race craft. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that will really help me. Yeah. And it's something I'm working on now. Even if although I can't race, I'm just trying to think of ways to do it. And yeah. Um, but yeah just race well I want to be happy with my runs and then yeah I want I want to be racing on sun on the Sundays I've traveled all the way there and, I, and uh, all the work I'm putting in now because I am training really hard and putting everything I can in I want that to show so I want hopefully to get some good, good results <laughs> and I'm sure from like my perspective and everyone else's perspective we want to be watching you on that live stream so we can yell at the screen Michaela yeah. as you come down the hill <laughs> hope you know loud enough that you can hear us ideally I love racing Fort William. I love that I get to go home because I'm definitely, although I'm doing a lot of traveling for racing, I'm, I'm someone who likes to be at home. I enjoy yeah. being around, even in just in Fort William, around my family and my friends. And that's where I'm the happiest is when I'm just, just at home and riding my favorite tracks. And yeah, I don't get, I don't have to leave. So it's, it'll be really nice. And I get to ride probably my favourite track as well. So, <laughs> Well, Michaela, it's been a pleasure to speak to you. Thank you so much for, for coming to chat. And um, we'll all be looking out for you and cheering you on as the season goes. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll catch up again in the future. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me on. It's a, it's a pleasure to have a chat with you. Anyway, thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Spindrift Podcast. My guest this episode was downhill mountain bike racer Michaela Parton. As ever, I'll share all the links on the Spindrift Podcast website and social media channels and keep your eyes peeled for announcements for my exciting future guests. If you like this episode, don't forget to subscribe and pop over to Instagram to share your thoughts on at spindrift underscore podcast. See you next time.